The Storms of Life Part 1 of The Storms of Life series A Sandman Potfic Written by Torte and read by Literarian Chapter 3 Summary Mother Hen Dream tries to find a bed for his friend, but instead they walk a lot. Be thou the rainbow in the storms of life, the evening beam that smiles the clouds away and tints tomorrow with prophetic ray. Lord Byron Angry voices pull him from a dreamless sleep. But this is the home of Robert Gedling. Not anymore, it isn't. He didn't show up for two months, left no message, paid no rent. I waited for three weeks out of the goodness of my heart, sir, but after that I had to rent the room out again. I ain't made of money, sir. Can't have them back. The house is full. Hob opens his eyes and is confused by the strange perspective. His stranger's face hovers above him and he can see the ceiling of his apartment house. He feels strangely weightless and realizes with mortification that his stranger is carrying him in his arms and is apparently engaged in a verbal spat with his landlord. His dark eyes sparkle dangerously and he growls, You will find room or I will... Hop decides this is his cue. Sorry, uh, can I uh, get a word in? Hop gives his surprised stranger an awkward smile and his indignant landlord a little wave. Sorry, dear, could you put me down, please? His stranger frowns as if reluctant to release Hob, and it does make his stomach swoop fiercely, but finally sets him down after several seconds. He quickly brushes himself off in an attempt to appear less undignified, barefoot and half-clothed in only trousers and shirt, and gives his landlord his most charming smile. I'm so sorry. I got hit over the head and forgot my name and all, and they put me in the sanatorium until I recovered my memory. My acquaintance here got me out only today and brought me to my latest address. I got hit by a spell of dizziness on the way. Head is still a bit tender, you know. <laughs> anyway, so sorry to bother you. I will pay you the lost three weeks of rent, of course, once I've settled in somewhere new. Have a good day, sir. He grabs his stranger's sleeve and pulls him quickly out the door. He follows him with a bewildered expression. Hob. Not here. Hob stalks on until they're a few streets away and steps into an empty alley. Only then does he realize that he is still holding on to his stranger's sleeve. He hastily lets go and mumbles an apology. Sorry, I thank you for getting me out of Burgess's house. 
and bringing me to my, well, my former lodgings. But I, I... He looks around quickly. I'm concerned Burgess may still be watching this place. In case you showed up, probably. I didn't tell him anything about you, mind, but... I know. The stranger interrupts him gently. Hop finally looks at him. His friend... And had he imagined him call him friend back before falling asleep? Still looks exhausted. There are deep shadows under his eyes, and his posture as one hop isn't used to see on him, stooped and almost timid. He is still beautiful. Hop blushes and looks back down at his bare feet. No shoes, no coat. All right, first things first. He takes a deep breath and clenches his fist. I'll be fine from here. I don't want to keep you unnecessarily. I have a stash of money hidden away in case of emergency, and provided the old goat hasn't caught wind of that too, I'll be all set to start anew in a day or two. His stranger seems to droop even further. You want me to leave? Hop's head shoots up, eyes wide. What? No, this is... I only thought I'd have taken up enough of your time already. It's not been a hundred years, right? <laughs> he tries for a laugh, but it falls flat, and his friend's face looks pained. He tries again, unable to keep the truth out of his words. Listen, I... I'm sorry for calling you lonely, for wanting to force you to admit to being... I... I... He falters, unsure what he wants to say. I am very grateful that you would still come to my rescue despite all that. You can name any price. I will gladly pay it. His stranger stares wide-eyed at him and frowns. There is no price, Hobgatling. His face turns softer and he quietly adds, I only did what any friend would do. This time he has not imagined it. Hop is sure. He feels the blush rise on his cheeks again and smiles despite himself. Then thank you again for your help, my friend. His stranger gives him a small smile and takes a step closer. Hop has to lift his head a bit to meet his eyes. Have you got taller since we last met? His friend smirks. I am always exactly as tall as I want to be, Hop. Oh, so the fact that you are towering over me right now, that's intentional?
His voice is playful, but his stranger's face grows concerned. Does it make you uncomfortable? Hop laughs. <laughs> what, you? Nah, I find it charming. It's almost like you want to be big enough to protect me. Uh... He realizes too late what he said and wonders if he should take it back. But his friend is smiling again. Perhaps. Hop knows he's definitely blushing now and there is no way his stranger doesn't see it. He clears his throat and shuffles his feet, which makes him again aware of his lack of shoes. Right, I would love to get dressed, actually. Do you want to accompany me? See if my hidden stash is still there? You can protect me from any of Burgess's men, should they be looking for me, since you're apparently already in the mood for that. It is cheeky and presumptuous, but his stranger only hums deeply. Like a purr, a sound that goes straight to Hop's groin, and he shifts from one foot to the other awkwardly. Yes, if you will allow me, I would guard you until you have regained your footing, Hopgadling. He swallows and manages a nod. I... Would be glad, my friend. Hop's hidden stash is apparently not easily accessible, even for him. Dream wonders if he should offer his assistance when Hop curses under his breath for the fourth time as he's trying and failing to pull something out of a narrow hole in a harbour wall near Limehouse. God's fucking wounds, come on! I'll get you, you slimy, slippery little bugger! Ha! Triumphantly, he raises a small package into the air. It's wrapped in oilskin and smells strongly of rotten fish. Dream wrinkles his nose, but Hop seems unbothered. With a grin, he unwraps the package and pulls out a small wooden box. In it lies an iron key. Dream raises an eyebrow. A key? Yes, for a storage unit I bought two decades ago. I was careful not to have my name or even any of my old names show up on any of the contracts because it's meant for exactly this kind of emergency. In the case of someone connecting too many dots. But Jess should not have been able to trace this back to me. How much did he uncover about you? Dream asks. Hop frowns. Too much. I was too careless in covering my tracks. The names were probably the sloppiest, but I can't bring myself to go around as Martin or, or John or something. 
There's too little consistency in my life. I can't give up the one thing that... Well, I can't give up my name. He looks frustrated and sad, and Dream has no idea what to say. Roderick Burgess will not trouble you again, he says, in hopes of alleviating some of Hobbes' fear. The man looks up at him. Graham thinks that he likes being taller than Hob. He likes to have him look up at him like this with fondness and something like wonder, with trust. He wants to make Hob feel safe. It's the least he can offer after two months of nightmares. What exactly did you do to him? It looked like what you did to Lady Johanna. Lady Johanna Constantine awoke a few hours after we left. Roderick Burgess will not wake, he says with finality. Hob looks surprised. Never? Not until he dies. Hob exhales harshly and rubs his chin. Christ, I'm glad you like me. <laughs> he startles and blushes, waving his hands wildly. Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to imply... I do. What? I do like you, Hob. I do not make a habit of meeting people I don't like on the regular. Well, except for political reasons. Hop's cheeks are flaming and Dream feels himself flush a bit at the sight. He feels bitter, though, and obligated to add... It is not something that would shield you from my wrath, though. Hob looks confused now, nervously twirling the key between his fingers while they slowly start walking again, falling into step beside each other. The hour is late and the docks are empty. Graham keeps an eye on the shadows all the same. What do you mean? Dream looks away. I have been known to be cruel to the people I care for, he says quietly. Yes, I have been cruel to you. You haven't? Hop seems genuinely bewildered at his words. Dream frowns and stops walking, stepping into Hop's way. Hop, I could have saved you a month ago. I could have saved you the first night you had a nightmare under Burgess's roof. I could have stayed and finished our meeting, and you would never have been taken. I did not. You would not call that 
cruel. Hop shakes his hand. But Jess was already on to me. Me shouting about a hundred years in the road only finally made him act. That's not on you. As for saving me... He gulps and looks away from Dream. I heard you. I understand that you needed time to forgive me. Dream is at a loss for words again. He reaches out and touches Hop's shoulder. The man shivers and looks back up. Hop. No, I know I hurt your pride and I'm sorry for misjudging the situation, but you were so relaxed and you were smiling like you genuinely enjoyed my company and I thought we were on the same page. And I was proud and foolish and wanted to hear you say it. I'm sorry. Dream grips his shoulder tighter and something sparks in Hobbs' eyes. Trepidation, a hint of worry. Dream hates that look. The next words do not come easily, but he forces himself to speak truthfully. Stop apologizing. You already did. It is forgiven. And yes, I do enjoy your company. He starts walking again, relieved to hear Hop following close behind after a bare second, a new spring in his step. 